you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. We're in the series Made New, and this message is called God Serving Us. God Serving Us. Turn to two places in your Bible, would you please? 1 Timothy 6 and Joshua 24. 1 Timothy 6, hold your finger in 1 Timothy, and we'll go to Joshua 24 and start there. In Joshua 24, starting in verse 13, Joshua tells the people of God these words, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In fact, for weeks, you've been seeing this sign behind me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 15. There it is. And it's one of my favorite Christian songs made into a song. It says, As for me and my house, we will serve you. As for me and my house, we will spend our lives on you today. I love that. Today. Not a minute to waste. Lord, you are worth my life. And I willingly give it to you. See, that's what Joshua says. As for me and my house, we will serve you. Look what it goes on to say. Continuing in chapter 24, verse 16 says, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) In the New King James, it says, You cannot serve the Lord. Now, pause right here. This may freak you out a little bit and say, Well, that doesn't quite sound like the evangelist we were expecting out of Joshua, the leader of God's people. Him talking to him like that. You cannot serve the Lord, he says. But watch what he says. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He's like, You said it. They're like, We said it. Now therefore he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. 
Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Isn't that what we're all supposed to do? What we're all meant to do? Incline our hearts to the Lord God. Lean into Him, is what Joshua is saying. You know, many times we find ourselves holding on to idols and we don't even realize it. We're, we're serving idols. We're, we're idolaters. And we don't even know it. Joshua says, put away the foreign gods from among you. Put away your idols. Put away those things that you're looking for. If we only had, or if we could only do, or if we were only at, idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. Pastor Caleb would always tell us, anything that's in that space, if I only, God plus, it's an idol. Whatever's in that blank is an idol. Put away the foreign gods from among you. Quit the idolatry. Lean into what God is saying. Joshua's like, new wineskins, man. Listen to what I'm saying. Incline your heart to the Lord. Lean into Him. Decide to serve Him how He wants to be served. That sounds like true love to me. Not just, I'll just love you how I want to love you. No. It's like those love languages, the five love languages. If you're a words of affirmation person, and all they ever do is give you gifts, you're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, or if you're an acts of service person and they're just clinging on you as a, as a physical touch person, you're like, hey, wow, okay. It just doesn't connect. The Lord is saying, serve me, love me, show me you care about me by doing what I say. Lean in. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. God has been faithful to us, church, to give us prophetic messages our church, the Rock Asperia, we have had so many prophetic words from the Lord. And I'm excited to share them with you right now. Does anyone remember clip shows? <laughs> anyone who used to watch sitcoms, do you remember clip shows? Where they would take uh, old clips from many episodes and, and pile them all into one. And kind of tell a new story from a different perspective. Look, that's what we're doing here. It's kind of a clip show in a sense. The Lord stirred me up and to present all these clips to you so you can remember each point along the journey because we need to be reminded of his prophetic words for many reasons. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I remind you to stir up that gift. And in Titus 3.1, Paul says, Remind them, Pastor Titus, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Kind of sounds like a word for us today to be reminded, to be subject to the governing authorities, to obey. So we obey why? To be ready for every good work. That's exactly right. Oh man, the Holy Spirit is smart when he wrote this book to us. He gave us full instructions on how to carry out our lives and be obedient because it's easy for us to forget. Are you anything like me? And you're like, I don't even know why I came in this room, right? And you, so you walk back and you come back into the kitchen and you're like standing there. Yeah, okay. We, we can forget things sometimes, can't we? So never fear. Just like Titus, just like Timothy, they were sent to remind the people, I've been sent to you to remind you today and I'm excited to do it. 2 Peter 1.12 says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Man, we can't escape this present truth, can we? We are like knee, neck deep in it. Knee deep, that would be easier. We are neck deep in it. Some of us may feel like we're drowning almost. We're so in this present truth. 
But God is about to remind you of the present truth that He has spoken to us already about all of this. You know, back when we were about what Pastor Jerry would call business as usual. (laughs) You see, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. That will stand. On February 6th of this year, God spoke the future in prophecy to His church, to you and me. Through our senior pastor, Jerry Dearman, at Rock Conference. Do you remember this? Preparing us for things to come. Hear the intensity and the sincerity and the specificity of this call to you and to me. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. What tense is that? That's the future tense. He said, I need you to see right now that the darkness is coming. There's something that's going to happen in the future, but I don't want you to be shocked by it then. I don't want you to be caught off guard. I want you to behold and to know and to see that this is coming. For behold, right now, the darkness shall cover, notice, not just your city, not just your neighborhood, not just your nation. No, what did he say? For the darkness shall cover the entire earth. But you also need to know that that's not all that's going to be happening in the future. Something else is going to be happening. The Lord is going to arise over you. And his glory is going to be seen on you. Let me read to you what I heard. For the days are coming and even now have already begun for a great falling away of the people of God in America. People will turn their backs on the Bible and embrace lies and deceptions, partial truths and partial gospels. Because of the technological connectedness of believers through the various social medias, podcasts, artists and news, people in every church will be tempted and seduced by this spirit of deception. Now is the time to ground people in the truth of God's word. Now is the time to unveil the deceptions before they become prevalent. Now is the time to build an army of teachers and students who are equipped to defend the truth of the Bible. Now is the time to identify the characteristics of true believers. Now is the time to develop reproducible and transferable materials and processes to disciple and deploy people. I have ordained the rock for this purpose from the very beginning. I have established a firm foundation of truth and developed a people who love the truth. In fact, there are people far and wide who have been affected by the truth coming out of the rock. And they know when they hear the true word of God. As you begin to launch this new phase, many people, including pastors and leaders, will follow you. But others will discount the urgency that you speak of, along with the need to take such bold and deliberate steps. But my spirit will go with you and empower you. This movement will be fruitful and will multiply exceedingly. It will run on the rails of OSL, thereby going very quickly into other nations. Allow me to lead you. Hear the urgency in my voice. The hour has come to act decisively. Business as usual is over. You were born for such a time as this. And now we see what we might call simultaneous extremes. Extreme darkness. Covering the earth and extreme light covering us. Notice the law has changed. Now we're going to treat you differently. Now you're the same people. You didn't change your behavior. You're not doing anything more adverse than you always have. But 
We are seeing you differently than we used to see you. And because we're seeing you differently, we're going to adjust the laws and begin to treat you differently. We're not going to give you and extend to you the same freedoms that we always have. And notice this, when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them what? Sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? And what does he say? Rise. Let me tell you, this is what the Lord is saying to his church right now. Why are you sleeping? Don't you know what's going on? Can't you see what's happening? Why are you not alert? Don't you see what's going on in the world? Don't just look at the politics. That will distract you. Look beyond the politics. Look into the spirit realm and see what the God of this age is doing to our world. Jesus said, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. What does that mean? When this darkness comes, you are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to join it or you're going to be tempted to fight it the wrong way. There is a time that's coming. It is a time. And it will come on time. It will be here. There is a time that's coming. And I'm telling you now to see that there is a time coming when darkness is going to show up. And it's going to be right there. It's going to be all around you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Jesus said, this is your hour. So in his situation, he said, it's here. Jesus was in prayer. He knew his response. But the disciples were asleep. And they would not rise. And finally, he barely got them up in time. Otherwise, they'd have been completely caught off guard by this. Isn't that right? And then, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And Peter said, I don't have to ask. And he just swung. And guess what? If Jesus had not stepped in with light... With the glory of God to heal Malchus' ear, Peter could have been executed on the spot and missed his ministry because he tried to take care of it in the natural. We believe the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what we're going to train pastors to do. And we're going to open up thousands, hundreds, and then thousands of churches in homes, in businesses and such. Many that will be part of the rock, but there'll be many that are part of other ministries and such. But this is going to change. Somebody said, I thought the rock is a church. Well, the rock is a church. But however, the rock is going to be a whole collection of churches. We've done rock groups. But let me tell you, the Lord is saying, no, I don't just want groups. I need churches. I need churches with real pastors, real teachers. I need the word of God to be taught right there. The word of God to be counseled within the people and such. The Lord is also telling us, you are going to see more people get saved than you've ever seen before. You're going to see more people change, more people than ever before. And that's exactly what God is saying to us. Can you hear the intensity of this call? The need for house churches in this time? You know, it's interesting to me that Pastor Jerry wishes he could go back and preach that at Rock Conference even more strongly than he did, even with more boldness. And he preached it pretty boldly then. Why? Because the Lord was speaking to the church things to come. He wanted us to be forewarned and forearmed so we could live our purpose and serve others well in this unprecedented time. Now I want to tell you this, three months before Rock Conference, maybe three months and a few days, the Lord gave me a prophetic dream. It was on October 26th in the morning, uh, 
I don't get to bed before the morning anyway, you know that. But October 26th, in the morning, I was sleeping and I had this dream and I wrote it down. And I'd like to read it to you so I can get the precision with what the Lord gave to me so you don't miss a single thing. Let me read it to you. God's people were being commissioned by Him to bring the gospel to the world with such effectiveness and such power because He is doing a great work for us and in us and through us. He sent us into a world bereft of light and life to bring such incredible and delicious nourishment. The picture He gave was of that massive cluster of grapes from the promised land. He said, You are each like that humongous grape. So incredibly large and remarkable that because I have made you so full and amazing, people cannot help but be interested in you. And what you are to offer is of such magnitude that multitudes can be reached when you understand that I am supernaturally supplying on multiple levels to bring people to myself. Your grapeness is so large, juicy, and delicious that you can nourish far more than you've previously thought. Because at most, you've operated like a non-promised land-sized grape. And that's the best case. Most of my people tend to operate at the raisin level. A tad sweet, but not extending very far and not very remarkable. Certainly not using all my power to accomplish my plan of bringing the world into relationship with me. After this vision, those who heard had sort of a practicum opportunity, but it was real, just initiated by God so quickly that it felt like a lab experiment. Like a lab experiment. I feel like I was watching through the eyes of a young lady who felt like this was so big a task, so unbelievable in scope, she wasn't confident at first in her own ability. But God affirmed her every step of the way with reminders that it isn't her ability, but His. He was miraculously sending supernatural amounts of people to her. And he was reminding her that he is also with her to live as the massive grape to nourish those people because he had made her that well equipped. So because she believed God as he taught her who she really is and what she can really accomplish through him, and he brought the opportunity... In trusting obedience, she went out and gave to this multitude out of her absolute abundance of blessing and power and truth, bringing many to the Lord. Now let me bring your attention to a few key phrases here. Number one, at the very beginning, he kicks this thing off and says, my my plan and my purpose of this dream that I gave you is to bring the gospel to the world. Notice he didn't say, to bring the world to the gospel, as if they're banging down our doors. We're not even on their radar, for the most part. You know, they hear stuff about Christians on the news, and they're like, ah. No, he says, to bring the gospel to the world. That's our job. Another phrase is, he's doing a great work for us, and in us, and through us. Doesn't that sound like new wine and new wineskins to you? Pouring out, both are preserved, and all of that? Yeah, it does to me too. The next paragraph starts off with, He sent us. Leave it at that. He sent us. Sounds like that great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28. Go into all the world. Go make disciples of all nations. Isn't that right? He says, You are each like that humongous grape. You know the guys that brought back this cluster of grapes so massive that they had to carry it on a pole between two men and they brought it back to the camp to the children of Israel and say, Look at the promised land. It's amazing. Look at these grapes. And uh, he says, you are each 
like that humongous grape. Not all of you together are like one humongous grape. No, no, no. He said you each are like that humongous grape. And look, for what? So you can nourish far more than you previously thought. He's saying you don't give yourself enough credit. He said, I give you way more credit than you give yourself. I think so much better about you than you think about you. I believe that you can do this. I believe that you can accomplish my plan on the earth. That's why I've left you there. Even though you're saved and you're poised and ready for heaven, I've left you there because people need you. They need you and you can nourish far more than you ever thought. So increase your thinking. Think better. You're, the, you're above only and not beneath. The head and not the tail. Amen. All right, later on it says, bringing the world into relationship with me. That's the Lord's heart. He wants people to be brought into relationship with him, that they would choose by your invitation and mine to say, yes, I want to join the family of God. In the next paragraph, after the vision, right, there was a sort of practicum opportunity, I said, uh, but it was real. It wasn't uh, a, a fake experiment. But I said it was initiated by God so quickly that it felt like a lab. And I had drawn that out in the initial telling, like a lab. You know, and so here we are over a year later, we started this The Rock Lab to put the word into practice after these messages. And for those who really care and want to invest themselves as living as Christians, they get together after services in this Rock Lab. We're doing it. The Lord had spoken this language to me over a year ago. Praise Him. Praise Him. And that lab, of course, is available to you and anyone who wants to get involved. I'll tell you more about it later. The next one was, He was miraculously sending supernatural amounts of people to her. What does that mean? More than she could gather by her own charisma. Isn't that right? You know, there are many among us who have lots of charisma, lots of joy, and they should exude this and that, right? But supernatural amounts of people, only God can do that. It doesn't matter how likable you are, how kind and how sensitive and how endearing you are. The Lord will send more people to you as you give yourself to him. So he was doing that for her. He said to live as the massive grape to nourish these people. That her life would be lived in all that fullness, all that you know, juiciness, of the grape juiciness. All right, And uh, to nourish these supernatural level amounts of people. It says he brought the opportunity And she went out and gave to this multitude, bringing many to the Lord. Isn't that what we all want to do? Bring many, many people to the Lord. We want to see souls won, don't we? I know you're like me. I know that you get excited about salvations. People giving their lives to the Lord for the first time, understanding and realizing, wow, this is what it's meant. How exciting. The next one I want to show you is Pastor Monica. Pastor Monica, one of our apostolic elders at the church, serving in the office of prophet. You know, she hears from the Lord in advance and goes out and gets some things and brings them back for the church and then tells us what the Lord is saying for these next seasons. Streams flowing out from us and into us. Take a look at this. I received this prophetic word from Pastor Monica. As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. From this day, you will see the rivers of abundance rise around you. Seeing, you will see the waters rise. They are rising now. Don't back up. They're coming to you, your ministry, and to all to which you put your hand. And three, the vision is it's sloppy and dripping, getting everywhere. And what I like about this last part is that the the increase is not just for you. 
but it is for you. But it's not just for you, but it is for you. And sometimes I realize that I'm focused on the people I love, but God's saying, but I love so many people. I have children. I have a Brielle who's wandered out of the breach. Will you let me bring them to you? Can I cause that stranger? It's not stranger to God, but can I cause, as the Lord would say, my little Brielle to find her way to you in the market? And will you see her? And will you maybe smile? Will you just invite him to church if, or, or say, hey, I, I see you. He, his eyes are on everyone. Our eyes are so often on ourselves. I think we all know that. We're far more self-involved than we realize, all of us. I believe that the Lord is also admonishing uh, the body of Christ, myself included, that you wonder why you feel purposeless. You wonder why you're tired. You think it's because you need to do less. It's because you're not doing what I called you to do. Go be me. You are called to pick up my life. What would I be doing? We have been bought with a price. Drawn, drawn near even though we were once far off. But it is for the purpose of being an ambassador, being sent to draw others who are far off, near. People are hurting. But who's going to come and help them shake it off? You. You are being sent as an ambassador to say no. We, this is who we are. So often we're trying to just make it. But I'm here to tell you, you made it. You made it. You're out. You're out, you're up, you're over. All right? You have everything you need. You aren't waiting on God to do anything further. So shake off those lies. And get back in rank for yourself, for your family, and frankly, for every person. But I want to encourage you to these things that we're called to do. We need to go preach the gospel, right? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. I mean, Jesus told us what to do. And sometimes you think, well, what does that look like? How do I do that? Like, I'm, uh, I would, but I don't even really know how does that look in my daily life. It's really not that difficult. Monica said, don't back up. They are coming to you, your ministry, and to which all that you put your hand. Don't back up. They're coming to you. That's very interesting to me. Coming to you, your ministry. Sloppy and dripping, getting everywhere. You know, not nice and neat in a little box, you know, with a little bow. Not uh, nice, neat little boundaries. Not, you know, comfy walls around us. We know we're here. We know we're safe. No, no, no. Are you getting the picture yet? It sounds like what we're going through, doesn't it? I want to celebrate a huge win for The Rock right now, just in the midst of all this, because this has happened recently. Uh, Pastor Monica prophesied that streams of of ministry would even flow into us. 
and I had an introductory conversation where I met uh, a great couple who are not part of The Rock, although they are now. You know, they have been released by the Lord from their former church, their pastors, and they've had this, these, all these conversations. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, led through OSL by people in our congregation, and they saw the work of the Holy Spirit that wasn't being talked about at their church. And so they've come into this faith, into this knowledge of the fullness of the Word of God, the full gospel, as we call it. And uh, now they are a rock house church in our flow and in our stream. And so I got the chance to meet them, connect with them for over an hour, delightful people. And uh, you don't know them yet, but I'm sure you're going to get to know them. And it's a wonderful thing that God is doing, even having ministry flow into us that we weren't really looking for. You know, it's just people uh, like, like the Richards, you know, who are living as these humongous graves and just nourishing others, you know, and they're drawing people into the fullness of God's plan. Hallelujah. So, and not only those people, but because that's the stream in, right? But streams out, watch this. Several from among us have already begun their own house churches. Several from among us have already begun their own house churches. Week by week, ministering with their families and maybe even some close friends. It's beautiful. Like Pastor Monica prophesied to us, streams of ministry flowing out from us and even into us. We don't often realize what the specific words mean in the moment. Only later does that fullness of the realization come. God brings clarity to the minutia, the very specific ways that only He can. Back then, we were in our series, Run. Anyone remember Run? Yeah? Uh, anyone want to just comment right now how awesome Run was <laughs> and continues to be? Amen. We were in that series, Run, and she was preaching message number five, Run as an Ambassador. As an ambassador, which means a representative or a promoter of a specified activity. An ambassador is a representative or promoter of a specified activity. And so looking back, I got to ask, what less could you possibly let yourself be? What less than an ambassador, a promoter, a representative of God and of His kingdom could you let yourself be? You know, Pastor Jennifer and I have both received words along these same lines, prophetic words from the Lord that go along with this flow. And every one of these reminders is, as our title says, God serving us. God serving us, helping us, giving to us foreknowledge, clarity, promise of blessing and fulfillment. This whole time, it's been God serving us. Now here's where it gets crazy. Now knowing all this, know that our obedience results in God serving us. Did you catch it? God serving us and God serving us. He's giving you as a gift to the world. He's serving you up to the world to bless others and in the process become more blessed yourself. God is serving us. In light of all these prophetic words, look at what Jesus commands us in Matthew 10 verse 8. As we've looked at several times before, Matthew 10 8, Jesus says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, God serving us, freely give, God serving us. Uh? <laughs> After all, 
Every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. This regular hearing from God should do a few things inside each and every one of us. It should affirm His call. Affirm His call. Secondly, it should comfort us regarding our obedient following. You know, after all, that's the Lord's love language is obedience. If you love me, obey my commandments. Number three, inspire us. That's what it should do is inspire us to continue or to start on this new path that he's leading us on. And number four, it should excite us about the opportunities all around us. So be heartened as you are moved to embrace God's call today. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, (laughs) make no mistake, we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Let us do good to all, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You've been served. (laughs) To our pastors, uh, every pastor level, all the way up to the top, God is instructing us, and we're all hearing Him. 1 Timothy 6 says this, Let them do good. Do you hear the emphasis? Let them do good. Who? The saints. The people that the fivefold ministry is called to equip for the work of ministry. Right? Apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, teachers. I got that out of order. But you know what I'm saying? The fivefold gifts given to the church. Right? Let them equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let them do good. That they be rich in good works ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. See that foundation mentioned there reminds me of the rock. The rock that, you know, it's like a man who built a house, built a house, dug deep, laid his foundation on the rock where it's solid and when the storms of life came, Oh, beat, the, the storm beat vehemently against that house and the wind blew and it was crazy. It couldn't even shake it for it's founded. The foundation was on the rock. We exist to build solid lives. So when you're a part of this ministry, day by day, week by week, interaction by loving interaction, we're building your life and your family's lives more and more solid each time. So Jesus' followers are meant to be solid. We're meant to be solid. So it doesn't kill us to be extravagantly generous. Isn't that right? So many of us has found our way to generosity on the other side of stinginess, right? Because God is just so extravagantly generous with us. Especially to one another in the household of faith, right? We're willing to give because God has given us so much Like you, I'm excited for a return to on-campus ministry and and how that looks and getting back together in some of those those ways that we can all embrace each other and see each other and have that regular fellowship with one another. However, I know that God will not be slack or He won't delay a moment longer than necessary. He will reveal His will to us and His way for us to push back into campus ministry when the time is perfect. And so in this time, I know that just like the wilderness, we're not going to squander a single moment. Somebody say amen. I won't squander a single moment. You know why? You can start a church in your house right now. 
Yeah, that's right. You can start a church in your house today. And that may seem so foreign and so crazy, but nevertheless, it's what the Lord has been speaking all this time. Many of us already have. Tell you the truth, many of us in The Rock have already started a house church. And you know what can be legitimate? You by yourself in your house. Legitimate. Especially right now. Oh, the the requirements outside are so stringent, you know, about gathering or not gathering, right? You can do that by yourself. And it's valid. And the Lord is with you right there. You can be with your spouse. And that's valid. Or maybe your kids. And that's valid. Your grandparents maybe. You know, we have three generations living in our household. And we all gather for church every Sunday. And we never miss. (laughs) Obviously. And so, you know, this is what we do. And so we're all here and we're doing church right now. And um, you you may have brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles. You know, there's a... There was someone in our church that gathered with an aunt and uncle and just brought them into service. And it was so beautiful. And they they started catching it. They started catching the vision and God's love for them. You can do that too. You can start a house church right now. And some of you have gone extravagant. And we're going to kind of maybe say this a little softer right now. But you've gathered with close family friends. Yeah, as you feel comfortable, you know, not trying to expose anyone uh, or make anyone feel uncomfortable. But, you know, even as guidelines ease in in whatever area you're watching from, we have many out-of-state viewers and all that, people who are engaging with the ministry of the Rock Hesperia from all over the nation. Not only that, uh, on Sundays is one thing, but we also have OSL in Alaska and Nebraska happening from Hesperia. Called OSL Hesperia Alaska Nebraska, and we're doing it. The ministry of the Lord is going forth, regardless. Amen. See, God wants to use this pandemic time as a way to release ministry into His saints, into homes. He just got an insertion point into every neighborhood around us by you saying yes to church right in your home. He's able to get there and infiltrate darkness with your light. I had a conversation with a dear brother from our church family this week, and we talked for like an hour and a half, and it was wonderful just to really connect and hear one another's hearts and and listen to one another and kind of bear each other's burdens. And one of the questions that came up was this, you know, what legitimizes ministry? You know, what makes the church? Uh, We can look at Anaheim and say, you know, the mothership, right? That's where Pastor Jerry is, and it's the the founding location, and there's maybe thousands of people, right, that would call that place home. And uh, here we are in Hesperia with less than thousands, right? So far, I said so far. And does that delegitimize our ministry? Absolutely not. And of course, we all agree on that. No, we're very legitimate. We're getting the work done here in ever-increasing ways. And so then look at that comparison from the, the Rock Hesperia congregation, you know, as large as we are, to a house church. Does it delegitimize the house church just because it's smaller? Absolutely not. No, why? Because you fellowship together, you pray together, you eat, you care. In fact, you can eat better at homes than you can at the church, isn't that right? I know we never miss a meal at home. <laughs> we often don't eat at church, but we, we never miss a meal here at the house. And so, you know, you eat, you care for each other, you minister to one another, you lay hands on the sick, you see them recover, you're praying for one another, healing. I mean, all of that, all of that. It doesn't take a gaggle of people to legitimize the ministry that God wants to do through you. You know, Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus says this, Wherever there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That's right. 
I extracted this part from the Rock Lab last week, and I want to play it for you in preparation for this message. Listen to this. But, you know, we've been hearing about house churches, and, and we feel that it is very important to release more ministry into more hands of more of the saints, right? To be equipping the saints for the work of ministry and releasing that work of ministry to happen fully in homes. And it does not mean that campus ministry will stop. Campus ministry will resume when the Lord tells us to resume. No sooner and no later than the Lord tells us to resume. Get it. But in this time that we're at home, being able to establish well ministry in homes in the form of house churches. I just want to encourage you, if the Lord is calling you to start a house church, to not think that you're too small to start a house church. Amen. And also to be encouraged that it does not mean that campus ministry is going away. And to, and to know that the Lord, we're talking about new wineskins and us needing to become new wineskins and house churches is part of new wineskins. And so us establishing house churches well now and releasing as much ministry as we can to the, into people, into homes is necessary for what the Lord does with the rock next. It, it will be necessary for it to be established now as we, before we go into reopening the campus. But if the Lord is calling you to start a house church, then start it. What I didn't hear her say was you can gather people from the church. You know, like if you have some friends that you're longing to see and you feel like they're pretty conservative, I don't feel like I'm at risk of getting COVID-19 because they've been out in the world, you know, at the beach with people, <laughs> living it up. The necessary step, we don't want to miss doing this to just wait for the campuses. So what's Pastor Jennifer saying in all this? God wants to release more ministry into more hands of more of his saints. That's right. Ministry can happen more fully in homes, especially during this time. It's necessary also for us to obey in this time before we can even look toward the future at getting back to on-campus ministry. We, you know, Remember I had said long ago that how you walk through this season determines your next season of ministry, fruitfulness. It's necessary for us to obey in this season before we even start looking at the next season. Even as we've been reminded today, Remember these words from Hebrews 13, verse 16. It says, But do not forget to do good and to share. Remember, let them do good. Do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He's well pleased with your sacrifice of giving and sharing and doing good. Do you feel sufficiently reminded, sufficiently inspired today? In all things... We will obey the Lord. Come on, say that with me. In all things, we will obey the Lord. That's right. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as these words have, have come into your ears and gotten down into your heart as I've spoken them, look, you're likely wanting to express your devotion and your heart, your thankfulness to God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Why don't we pray together as we offer our hearts and our homes to the Lord? Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's say this together. Father in heaven, thank you for cleansing my home this past week. 
for bringing peace to my household. As for me and my house, we will serve you, our God. Our house is your house. You can have church right here if you want it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let me tell you, if you haven't given control of your life over to Jesus yet and trusted Him with your decisions, with your circumstance, with with all of your life and your emotions and all the rest, I have good news for you. This can be your moment. You, You want access to all these blessings. You want access to all this fulfillment. You want access to all this destiny that God has written for you from before time was invented. He thought about you and your life. He has it all mapped out for you. Are you ready to enter into that? Come on, if today you haven't done that, but you want to, let's pray right now. Let's do it. Say this with me. God, I'm sorry for any wrong I've ever done. I choose to learn about and live for Jesus. Today I choose to follow you. I believe you'd raise Jesus from death to life. I ask you to raise me to new spiritual life. And I thank you for welcoming me into your family and into the Rock family. In Jesus' name, amen.